Welcome to Hot Singles, the world's best and only music podcast. I'm Regs, you can call me Regs, that's what you call me. Um, I'm always joined by Autumn. It's, uh, it really is the only music podcast. Uh, I've never heard another. Um, Fictions, fictions, lies and propaganda. If someone tried to start another, they would owe us royalties. They would, frankly. We have the IP. We'll We'll see you in court. I don't know which court, I don't know how many of them, I don't know what time, what place. We're going to get you prosecuted in Britain and America. Damn. Multiple jurisdictions. Slam. There, end of podcast. I can't believe, I was telling you before the recording, I was like, man, it's been forever since we did this podcast, I don't know how to do it anymore, immediately just on our bullshit again. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, speaking of on our bullshit, this is this is good, quite on our bullshit selection of albums, I think. Oh yeah. Um, so the two albums we're talking about are the Carter by um, Little Wayne and Songs by Adrian Lenker. I'm mad at you, by the way. Really? You picked an Adrian Lenker album that I liked. What the fuck? So, sorry. Okay, we're going to talk about uh, Songs second, so we'll get to it then. <laughs> And we'll unpack all your neuroses about her and her band then. <laughs> but first, we're going to listen to a little Wayne track and then talk about Little Wayne. Grown ups, in between, churning babies. Right about now, it's your boy, you heard, back again. DJ Manny. Fresh, fresh, fresh. Yeah, fresh, fresh, fresh. DJ, go DJ, that's my DJ, go DJ, yeah, we Weezy Wee, step up yes. to the mic dude, do what you Ladies and heard. gentlemen, what you have here is brought to you, courtesy of the young man Young Carter and the great man Manny Fresh, so what I want y'all out there to do for me is, say this, say go DJ, Under the sun, I come from under the Tommy, busting the Tommy. You come from under your garment, your chest and your arm hit. Power one to the head. Now you know he did. Now you know I play like a pro in the game. Nah, better yet, a better in the Hall of Fame. I got that medicine, I'm better than all the names. A is cash money records, man, a lawless game. Put some water on the track, fresh for all this flame. Wear a helmet when you bang it, man, and guard your brain. Cause the flow is spasmatic. What they call insane They ain't even my motherfucking aim I get dope, boy And you already know that pimpin' 18 I'm living young and show that Bentley Stun on my paw so you know that's in me Got in my mentor so don't go down with me Up DJ Cause that's my DJ. 
present with the music blasting And she keep asking, how I shoot if it's plastic? I tell her, you see, if your boy run up She sat back and cut the quarterback back up, up for show Hey, Big Mike, they better step their authority up Before they step to a soldier, son I got army guns You niggas never harming young Fly Wizzy, my opponent's done I'm done talking and I ain't just begun I been running my city like Diddy your chunk I fly by you in a foreign whip On a throttle with a model bony bitch Paraphony tits her hair is long as shit To her thong and shit Well here we go so hold on to this Now let's go Hold on, let me hit the blunt again So go So go This is the, 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 this is the Do you want to tell the good listeners who Little Wayne is? Because, you know, some of them might not know. Um, uh, frankly, frankly, I should put my cards on the table as well and say, like, I know rap music, but also somehow Little Wayne is slightly before my time as a rap listener, which, mm-hmm. like, immediately puts a target on my back. Like, people are incredibly allowed to own and make fun of me because of that. But that's just <laughs> factually true. So, yeah, um, this is part of my introduction to Wayne as an artist. So, yeah, who is Wayne as an artist? Um, so... Lil Wayne, uh, Wheezy F Baby, Don't Forget the Baby, um, is a rapper from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, he was part of Cash Money Records and then became part of Young Money Records, uh, his own label. And um, basically, um, kind of got famous as this like member of Hot Boys, a uh, Cash Money Records like rap group. Um, and when Hot Boys was hot, he was by far not the, like, most popular guy in it, but, um, like, got, got some notoriety because he was really good, and, like, he was in Hot Boys when he was, like, 16. His first solo Mm -hmm. album, The Block is Hot, comes out when he's 17, I think. Um, or I guess Hot Boys would have been even, he would have been, like, 15, like, he was rapping at a very young age um the carter is his fourth solo album so he's been doing this a couple years 
and um, has been kind of like slowly but surely become the like like the star of cash money records there were some other guys um like bg and birdman and um some of the other guys in hot boys i cannot remember any of their names right now or i would have would be saying them but that's (laughs) neither here nor there um and the carter is kind of the one that feels where he's kind of come into his own. He has his identity as an artist. There are very... I don't think there are any guest features on this. There are other voices, but this is Little Wayne. You are not hearing the group. You are not hearing... You are hearing some other Cash Money people, but this is, like, Little Wayne, and you are here to hear him, and you're here to hear about his life. And, um, like, it is... The album that sort of starts to launch him into superstardom, um, uh, you know, um, is the album that is sort of this series of albums, the Carter through the Carter Five, become very, like, emblematic of his career. Like, every time uh, a Carter album comes out, it's like, okay... Wayne is, like, marking this as, like, a new chapter for him, and he's gonna put out some more stuff that's kind of in this vein, but, like, this is what he sounds like right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wanted to talk about it because while I probably like the Carter 2 and 3 more, I think this is a really important album, and this is also, like, the start of, like, the run. Um, let me s- just pull up the Little Wayne discography page real quick. Yeah, I've been um, sliding through it as well. Um, this goes... Yeah, this goes to number four. Yeah. To so he goes to he goes to prison in I think two thousand nine, but from two thousand four to two thousand eight he puts out four studio albums, and then let me just scroll down here to uh, EPs. We've got two two in this era, and then oh yeah, we've got uh, seven thousand mixtapes from two thousand four <laughs> to two thousand eight. Uh, let me yeah, just count this. this. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, yeah, I would say dedication three is like the end of like the run. He puts out so much music in this time. And like the mixtapes and the albums aren't even all of it because like he also had a ton of stuff that get got leaked. And he was like, well, I don't want to like put that out now because like officially. So like there's all these like unofficial little Wayne tracks that he worked on but would get leaked and so he would just like pivot to doing something else he was the most prolific rapper in the world and he was the most famous rapper in the world and I think he was really fucking good for a couple of years <laughs> there and I think the yeah. Carter is where you start to hear him at like the height of all those things so yeah yeah just just for like context sake the um the car hits number five in the charts um mm-hmm. Carter two hits number two um mm-hmm. the collab with birdman it's three Carter three is his first number one and mm-hmm. then like has a string of albums that are number one and number two pretty much after that um he- everything he's released since the Carter three has been a number one or number two album pretty much um the Carter Three, I think, is still like on the Billboard charts. It's probably like at like one seventy eight, but it's like still there. It's got like a re- yeah. one of those ridiculously long run things. Yeah. Um, 
And and also for context sake, because the UK chart positions are on here at the same time, this didn't chart in the UK only after the Carter 3 did he start picking up any traction. And it's usually like a, well, it was like a, oh, I guess this is what the US has been listening to and has been cultivated over very long periods of time. I guess we should stop paying attention. But that was very late in his career, like 2000, well, the 2010s, basically. I was talking to somebody at work about it, too, because um, we were talking... Um, so I, I work at a coffee shop in St. Louis, and sometimes Nelly, the rapper, comes through. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about Nelly because I was like, I can never remember if Country Grammar was actually, like, the number one song in the country for a whole summer, or if that was just in Missouri, it was the number one song. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, so my friend who grew up in um, Florida... Like, we were just chatting about Wayne, too, and he was like, yeah, like, because I mentioned, like, oh, yeah, I first heard, you know, being, like, a white kid growing up in Kansas City, I first heard Wayne with the Carter Four and him getting out of prison and um, pivoting to, like, rock music, weirdly, Mm -hmm. Um, and I mentioned that, and, like, my friend who grew up in Jacksonville, Florida is like, no, from, like, as long as I can remember, Little Wayne has been mega famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For what it's worth, Country Grammar did was a number one album. So okay, that's good to know. <laughs> um, um, we had somebody at work. We had a new person at work like flip out when she saw Nelly, and I was like, "You can't. You you have to be cool. You have to be just like chill when Nelly comes through. You can't make this a big deal." <laughs> um. I have to ask, do you, like, call him Mr. Nelly or something? No, I... He does, he get Nelly, not... does he get Nelly on his cup? He comes through the drive-thru, he, he gets oh, his drink, fine. he doesn't really like talking, he always pays in cash, um, you know. Mm-hmm. He just, he's a quiet guy, it seems like, or at the very least he is at the coffee shop, you know. Very understandable. Uh, he's probably got other things going on in his life, to be fair. <laughs> he is, after all, Nelly. Yeah, he's famous. <laughs> on, like, reality TV and shit. Um, anyway. I am now flicking through the, um, the 2014 to present section of his Wikipedia page. <laughs> um, in, uh, in 2020, Nelly released the song Little Bit, a collaboration with Florida Georgia Line, slated to be on his country-influenced EP titled The Heartland. Yeah, he loves country music. He did that Tim McGraw song. There you go. Um, Little Wayne. <laughs> I feel like all our rap episodes get sidetracked into like, let's just talk about like culture. In the yeah, two, I mean, like, this from, is okay like, 2000 because 2000 to 2015. It's a huge part of the culture, uh, the the culture, mm. and it's the huge way in which you like interact with it. But yeah, yeah. Um. So I think like when I talk about. Um, like Little Wayne, like musically, um, I was listening to this album again this morning, and I was kind of like, he okay, I guess like he's getting there. You can hear it in flashes in this album, but it's not maybe as consistent as I always remember it being. Um, this uh, uh this album is also like almost entirely produced by Manny Fresh, a guy from Cash Money Records. Um, and um, I think that's important to note because, er, important to note because like, uh, there is a consistency of like 
beats on this record that is not necessarily true as Little Wayne's career develops and he starts working with a lot of other producers but like there is a sound to this record and I think that does let Wayne's rapping shine in a big way yeah um when I think about his rapping I think about like you know he's very famously one of those guys who doesn't write stuff uh I think he thinks things up before he starts recording but I don't think like he he does not write anything um and especially like the very first song in this album um i have the adrian linker one up in front of me what's the first song in this album called uh, <laughs> walk in walk in oh. it was, it, i knew it was an intro song of some some kind i couldn't remember what the like verb was <laughs> yeah it's it's walk in um uh, and the thing that really defines wayne's rapping for me is this sort of like playfulness where he'll like He's almost like playing a game, like he'll come up with like, oh, here's like this sound, like I like this word, let me do the next four bars all kind of like wrapped around this word or this rhyme or this Mm -hmm. sound, and then let me just like, how do I like twist it and twist it and find like a new sound on that, you know, a couple bars from now that then I grab onto as my next thing that I'm playing around with, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, the the notable thing, again, is someone who's, like, uh, grown up in, uh, like, in the wake of his style of rapping is just how flexible he is with flows. Just, yes. like, he... It, it goes in rhymes as well as flows, because, like, he will, like, hit patterns, absolutely, that repeat in short, irregular, like, sections. Like, they're obviously, like, super well executed, but just, like, the, the transition points are not regular. They are, like... They feel really intuitive, really unexpected, really, yeah, really, really special and unique. But yeah, that, that's just as much about his um, his patterns and, and flows as well as it is the, the rhyme schemes. Yeah, and like, yeah, I think like there is like, and I think it becomes even more true over the next couple years, but like definitely like a lot of rappers will come onto a song and they'll be like, I'm going to do this flow and i'm gonna play around with like all the different things i can do with this flow but wayne comes at it from a different angle of i'm gonna play around with these words which then leads him into like very naturally as he's trying to like get a new um get a new like sort of sound that he's latching onto a new word that he's latching onto like the flow kind of like shapes itself around whatever words he's saying um that just makes every single song he does feel fresh. And like, it's still kind of true. Like 15 years after this album, more than that. Um, he definitely mm-hmm. like, he's not as consistent as he once was, but like, I just linked a song <laughs> in the chat. That's like a more recent one. Like he can still like do this. And when it hits, it really fucking hits. Um, the song I reloaded or I, the song I put in the, in the chat was um, D6 re- from D6 Reloaded. It's called Big Bad Wolf. And there's like a bit I remember because it taught me how to say Giannis's last name wrong. And I had it in my head for months. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he says... You got to put that clip in. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do. I'm going to. Um, he says something like Anata Kanumpo. And then he <laughs> rhymes like the next... 
15 bars with like those sounds that he gets from that word. That's just fucking good. It's just fucking good. Oh, that's so excellent. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just reading it and that's just this, I can see it. It's on the page. It's so good. <laughs> so many compound. Oh my, oh my word. I'm, I'm I got freaking a Greek out freak. She called it. me a not a canumpo. Just follow the coupo, and I know that you know. I'm hotter than soup. She still swallow my soup bowl. I'm out of my loophole. You out of the loop, though. <laughs> it's just like, he just goes. He goes, it goes, it goes. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, it's I, great. I, that's, that's absolutely ethered me. <laughs> she still swallowed my soup bowl. I love it. I love him. Oh my word. <laughs> Um. Um. What the fuck were we talking about? How did you feel about this album, like lyrically? Because I had feelings, but like, yeah. what do you just think about, like, what he's sa- like saying and talking about here? Yeah. So the the biggest thing to me is like, there's this very obviously like, uh this is a like a street rapper who knows what he's talking about, and that's cool and very straightforward, the to the point, and there's like not much beneath that and that's fine great mm-hmm. and i can get in with that that's cool the things that i weren't ready for were like quite how intense the baby relationship is because that is yes. just like plastered all over this album yes um like it's not stuff about a crew it's often stuff about like complex conflicted relationships with him blowing up away from his crew mm-hmm. and it's just like no the guy that i keep shouting out and talking about in like myself in relation to is baby yeah i um like some of a lot of this album is and a lot of his later stuff is kind of just like kind of like tropey stuff of like i have a lot of money i do a lot of drugs i have a lot of sex you know um this album feels like a bit more like what is up with the sirens we both had them at this point um (laughs) Um, those are the people going to, like, you know, catch all the bad guys trying to steal our podcast idea. Uh, <laughs> uh, I gotta say that one was kind of tortured. Yeah, I, sorry, I'm having a lot of trouble focusing with the sirens, I'm sorry. That's very alright. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I, I think about, like, um, I Miss My Dogs, which is a song not about, like, his friend dying, but just about him and his friend, like, not, not hanging, hanging out, out anymore. Yeah, um, it, I love that song so much. It's absolutely one of my faves on the record. It's absolutely... I think it's probably my fave on the whole record. Um, like, I, I'm always kind of surprised at how much, like... It does feel like you're a little bit more than some of his later stuff. Like, you're getting to know him. Um, and some of that is in, like, sort of subconscious ways. Because, like, it in more... In more recent years, Wayne has talked about, like, growing up, um, I think, like, just not knowing his dad. I could be wrong about that. Um, and, like, you know, his um, suicide attempt at a very young age. Um, and so, like, the, the Birdman stuff is, like, revealing in a way that I don't think he intends on this record. Yeah. No, 100%. Um. Like, it just feels like, oh, there's one guy who's nice to me in my entire life. I will just, like, <laughs> um, just, like, latch onto him. 
in this huge way. And yeah, uh, both rap for him and also let him completely mold my personality in public presentation. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in a way that like has kind of derailed like his life for the last 10 years now. Like, you know, it turns out Birdman was not like a great, per- mm-hmm. uh, great person to latch your entire life to. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It doesn't seem good. Um, what else on this record? What are the other like, um, standout tracks for you. So, for some reason, th- th- so I do want to talk about the sound of it a bit. And the one of the tracks yeah. that stands out for me is Snitch. Yes. Just because it's got this sort of like, there's a crossover in my head between like what Southern hip hop means. Like, um, there's a continu- continuity between like, in my head, like Outcast and Little Wayne and like Atlanta Trap. And that the, mm. um, like the route between them is like kind of weird and circuitous. And like, this is one of the few moments where I hear like, oh, this is the sort of thing that like in a different guise, this could be an outcast track, um, of mm. the same or a slightly earlier era. It's got that like jazz soul, sometimes even like in outcast, like gospel, like backbone to it in terms of the musicality. I think of, um, I think of the third track, this is the Carter as the one that's got the, um, like that is just an outcast song to me. Oh, Partially, that is straight up because that's just that's just a straight up funk track. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's funny because they come to it from different directions. Where like Snitch has kind of got like the soul and the like bounce yeah. to it, um, whereas um, this is the Carter has uh, like the funk and the um, the acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Those are outcast Again, sounds to me. <laughs> synthesized acoustic guitar, classic, classic, and like mid late nineties. Outcast sound, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that sort of thing where, like, hearing the lineage of what I have in my head as Southern hip-hop is, like, a really amorphous thing, but, like, I can start to feel bits of it coming in and out. Mm-hmm. Just, like, Go DJ has a lead line that is not going to leave my head, but, like, in some ways, like, completely preempts all, like, the dance music of not just lead lines, but also, like, sets a template for all sorts of other shit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously there's, like... I'm, I hear when I hear this, I also hear Timberland, obviously. Um, yeah, and um, but I ju- just like there's like, something, something so like crystalline and like juicy. I, I don't know why I think juicy, but there's something like liquid and like gloopy and fun about these like early oats um, synth sounds that is just like really distinctive. But also like somehow at the other end of it is a track like um, this, the Carter or Snitch, which like tethers it more to like what Alcas would have been doing a couple of years before. Yeah. I mean, like, literally, um, when I hear um, uh, Go DJ, like, it runs in my head. Like, like I can't separate it in my head from, like, Walk It Out, you know? Um, uh-huh. Which, like, I know that that... I know that that's not an Outcast song. I know that they just showed up on the remix, but, like, that's an Outcast song. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they show up on the remix and made it their song. <laughs> Um. Uh, what else? What else? I don't know. I'm like, um, kind of struggling to like think of what to say in some ways because, like, we ended up talking about so much of it in the um in the Thug episode because, like, yeah. I feel like Thug is so heavily indebted to Wayne um, that 100%. it feels like a retread to be like, yeah, like 
Wayne was like new and fresh and changed everything and also sounded like the guys who came before him because you yeah. know that's kind of how southern <laughs> rap works in some ways yeah. <laughs> I mean there, there are a couple of retreats which is just important which is like I don't I didn't like make notes about which my favorites were but like the punchlines on this record are fucking excellent yeah the punchlines are so yeah. fucking good and he's got them just like firing away yeah he's he's fucking little Wayne he's so good at punchlines um he the, never forget Lil Wayne's most important contribution to culture, which is real G's move in silence like lasagna. Like lasagna, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just essential. Um, I do want to shout out the fact that about halfway through the record, the first track reappears, and mm. it throws me every single time. Yep. Yes. Uh, yes. Inside is the same beat as Walk In, and I always like get desperately confused. Like, what? It doesn't do well, the same then, thing afterwards. And then Walk Out is also... Um, yeah, the outro is and the it's same. weird. I don't know. The, somehow, an intro and an outro it. track being the same track is like fine. My brain can compute that, but having a non-interlude track in the middle that is also the same as the start and end track is that just breaks my brain. I think he's doing a what was that reality show that was um, Cribs? Right, that's just all it's oh. called. It's just called Cribs. I think like <laughs> that's what he's doing is like Cribs as an audio thing, but like uh-huh. it doesn't work and it's a bad framing device <laughs> um this is i didn't quote that at all yeah um 2004 is like the height of like bad framing devices for rap albums i feel like cool cool yeah <laughs> this is also um like uh the marshall mathers lp is like sh- shortly before this and i feel like that is another like ah yes really bad skits to tie the album together yeah I, I occasionally do wonder how much of my like general dislike of Eminem is to do with just his generally obnoxious way of like putting an album together but it yeah. is also to do with actually him as a person so I mean I don't it. it's weird I don't miss skits necessarily mm-hmm. but maybe what I miss is like Sometimes, and I understand that this is like a streaming thing because no one cares on streaming, but sometimes when I listen to a rap album, I need like some other sounds to break up the sort of like guys rapping and like, you know, twos and fours. Like I just need something else going on. This is part of the reason I'm really into like Earl and also Griselda is because like they still do it, but like the skits aren't embarrassing. It's mostly just like YouTube videos they like. Yeah, or or like it's just got like the ability to dip into other emotional registers occasionally and then dip straight back in. Yeah. Also, just also just like we had to remember Butterfly and the tracks that said interlude on that was for free, which is like okay. Once you've done that, you're sort of blowing everyone out (laughs) the fucking water. So I I remember the first time I heard for free, and I'm I'm still much as like my opinion of um. My opinion of Kendrick has, like, gone down pretty considerably, which I still like him. It's just that I don't think he's, like, you know, the best rapper. Literal Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Like, um, but I still think For Free is just, like, one of the greatest songs. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's the sort of thing where, like, the social and cultural meaning of Simpin' for Butterfly is a thing that has drastically changed for me personally. You listen mm-hmm. to the fucking album, the tracks are incredible. So, like, yeah, it's fine. Again, for free and for sale are interludes, interludes. And, yeah, 
the, the uh, again the emotional weight that they carry is just like not only on the order of a, an actual track but also like allows it to dip into those other registers and come back in very very natural form and it just works really fucking well yeah <sighs> um do you have yeah, more about that. this album I, I, I like i brought it because it's like important to me and i wanted you to mm. hear it like yeah no, i i mean what i can say for my part is like I really fucking enjoyed it. It was I was surprised how easy it was for me to listen to it because I don't know. There's like a, a bad stereotype hiding in my head that like late Wayne is kinda lazy, kinda mm-hmm. almost like shock jockey maybe. Um like the the verse he has on Flower Boy always comes to mind, which is like, yeah, it's gross and greasy as shit but I kind of like it for that little taste of grossness and greasiness and then it can yeah. go away again. Yeah, but no, I, there's, I also there's, like a, there's, a, there's a sincerity to this version of him that it just doesn't come through in the in the latest stuff. Or at least the latest stuff as I get get it digested in the like very different cultural like context that I experience him in. Yeah, I really like um, the Wayne appearance on Flower Boy, mostly as a like... Um, I think... Uh, like, Wayne is the type of rapper... Okay, I think Tyler has, like, a very, like, white person who doesn't normally like rap music. Um, yes. Yes. Audience. <laughs> and I think having Wayne there on Flower Boy is sort of, like, an important, like... Sort of just, like, important for, like, hey... You motherfuckers who like don't like rap music, I'm gonna get Wayne on my record, and he fits in here. He's supposed to be here, you know. Yes, one hundred percent. Um, and like I think Wayne's good on that, and I think he's really good on the Solange record. The Solange record is like, uh, one of like, it's really good the way that Solange was get him to the way that Solange got him to sound like not himself a little bit by which i mean um like he very much for the last 10 years wants to just show up and rap like 16 to 32 um and like go all over the place and i really liked solange getting a performance out of him that's like fucking stay on message you're on my album like (laughs) i'm Uh doing something here i don't want you to say um uh whatever the fuck shit he says on truffle butter i can't even remember um (laughs) i gotta look it up um something about like one hand on the sink one hand on the toilet uh this is my new dance move i just don't know what to call it and he's talking about fucking people in the ass i don't remember uh truffle butter is a great song (laughs) (laughs) um there we are that there it is on the genius page so many things are um genius.com forward slash little white (laughs) can I hit it in the bathroom put your hand on the toilet I'll put one leg on the tub girl this is my new dance move I just don't know what to call it but bitch you dancing with the stars there you go (laughs) like Solange doesn't want that on her album (laughs) um I, I will I will also say like I brought this because like I really like this record and because like it's it was important to me to talk about like the 
the first album. If people enjoyed this record, uh, and if people if people enjoyed any part of this record and um like don't know Wayne, um I think people I really think that like the Carter Three is like a perfect album. Um uh and like it is not a perfect album, but like I believe in my heart that it is. Um and if you wanna hear this but like the playfulness is there uh and getting even zanier because he's doing far too many drugs at this time um and you want to hear it on just the like glossiest most expensive record you'll ever fucking hear the carter three is just like what if we had literally everybody in the fucking industry like work on this record <laughs> You know? mm-hmm. um i think people i think people should uh check out the carter three i think it's like a great album i just think it's amazing um at least it's got lollipop on there that song's great <laughs> it does have lollipop <laughs> it's got mrs officer on there which is like the funniest song ever <laughs> little wayne getting out of a speeding ticket by fucking a cop is a great song on a great record uh people I should listen to it up. it's got 150 million plays on spotify yeah. i think it's the second most of anything on the album sorry third um beaten only by a million lollipop yeah that's fucking incredible i love that i love Lil wayne so much um <sighs> yeah, this this is maybe not a record I had like a ton to say about, but it is just like a record that I really love, and I just want people who listen to this podcast to listen to Little Wayne. Uh, mm-hmm. Entirely, entirely valid thing <laughs> to want to do. Is it about time to move on then? Yeah. Whew. All right. So uh, next up, we have songs by Adrian Lenker.
so as previewed in the beginning you've got a thing <laughs> you've got a thing about adrian lenka and her band her band I... is called big thief it's i think a pretty good band and there was a running joke that we had in the dms for a very very long time which is like one of the first things i learned about your music taste was your like enamorment with like folk slash country slash indie artists and it was like oh i've been listening to this incredible new band called big thief i think they're exactly <laughs> within your wheelhouse they fit your taste so well i love this album so much give them a listen um and i maybe i don't know maybe i said hyperbolic things because i was didn't know that you were so averse to people sp- like spouting hyperbole at you um and you like suspiciously listened and then decided you didn't like them although they were nowhere near as good as I said they were and this has gone on and on with me attempting to like gently coax you into like reappraising your weird thing about Big Thief and this so I decided not to how give... I would characterize any of this but finish you can, you, you, can, you can have your moment to describe this in a moment and so I decided to bring on Hot to Hot singles a version of Big Thief and their their front woman Adrian Lenker's work that I think you'd probably find it like really hard to be pissy about. <laughs> so that was that was my general like strategy of thinking, but I'm also like incredibly interested in what you have to say, <laughs> um, including like what was your perspective on what exactly was going on there. I, um. What happened with me was that, so the first Big Thief record that you got me to listen to was Capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yes. Um, and I listened to Shark Smile, and I was like, this is great. And then the, the, the rest of the record does not live up to how good Shark Smile is. And I kind of like was like, okay, there's like a good song here. I don't know why Regs like thinks this is so great. It's like one good song. And like... It it grew out of like, oh, I didn't like that record as much as uh, Regs did into, oh, I will, you know, play up how much I dislike it to antagonize them into, I don't want to say like tricking myself into not liking this band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a complex, a thing. This doesn't seem too far from what I described. Uh, I, I I don't think I tricked myself into disliking Big Thief, but I definitely, like, was a bit low on them and, like, exaggerated that. And then it, beca- it kind of just became like, well, fuck you. I'm going to hate this band now just to, like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does not help. It does not help that um, they put out um, UFOF. Uh, right after, um, I think I have this right. I think I have this right in my hand. UFOF is the album that comes out after Capacity, and I do not care for that record, just like, across the board, I think. But then, Two Hands came out and messed up my narrative, because I really, really, really like Two Hands a lot, and I had to kind of remind, I had to tell myself I didn't like big two hands so that i could continue not liking big thief as much as you <laughs> fair enough so the, it's a weird one because i like sat with ufof again and like slightly reappraised it because 
the first two songs are incredible. And then I guess, sorry, we are not talking about the album that we actually like scheduled, but I think it's important for context. I guess what a song like Cattails, and Cattails is like being, it has been held up as like, uh, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's like magnificent, it's what was one of the singles. And I listened mm-hmm. back to it and I realized the same thing that I realized when I initially heard the album, is that it's a vibe track. It's not a track that does all the things that I think make Big Thief super interesting, which is like angularity and complexity and Mm. like intense emotional catharsis or expressions of pain. Um, And also the kind of like slightly nerdy, slightly arsy complexity and like maziness that Mm. comes through in other bits of their work. So Cat Tells is like a track that is like, immensely pleasant and pleasurable to, to listen to, but that doesn't like grab me in the same way that I think by reputation it should. Whereas there are tracks that are supposedly unremarkable that make up like the mid part of the album, like Open Desert for me is a perfect song. Mm. Um, and it's slow and steady and static and it just has, I think, the most like glorious glow to it. Same with the track like Century. Um, that like the unremarkable moments of Big Thief, I think often the the ones that like where they express something more nuanced and delicate, and then the like, are like some of the high flying moments don't always hit in the same way that their like public perception would give them to you. Like, Cattails mm. was supposed to be one of the like crossover radio y singles that got attention, and I just didn't think it was that. Um, this album mm. was still though, like, one of my absolute favorites of the year because it has like, I think out of its 12 probably seven near perfect tracks and some just like absolutely stunning incredible moments on it um and then this was a absurd year for them 2019 they released two albums the second one two hands is the best track that i the, one of the best tracks of the decade one of the best tracks yeah. of the decade on it so so this was the um thing for me and and, and i haven't listened to either of these albums since probably like early 2020 at this point so like um I would have to, like, sort of, like, refresh myself, but I remember feeling, and I think this can tie into, like, talking about, uh, songs and Adrian's, like, solo work, um, like, I, Adrian writes songs, remind me, she, her, for Adrian Lanker, yeah, or? Yeah, as far okay. as I know, okay. yeah. Um, so, she writes songs kind of, like, the way that she does, and, and I don't mean like I'm ne- I'm always gonna hear her songs be like, oh, those are Adrian Lenker songs. Like I get this, I understand yes. what this is. Um, and so um, part of the thing with um, part of the thing is I feel like with Big Thief Records, like the band has to like make those songs like come to life in a big way. I really liked I really liked getting into her solo work because I can sort of hear like, oh, here's what the band brings and here's like what she writes and like I can sort of hear like how these two things are different and how like, you know, um the the band sort of like makes the songs like new and I just felt like on two hands like I could hear the band. I feel I felt like on two hands I could hear like the sort of life that each like person who had their hands on this record was bringing to it. And I felt yeah. like, um, I didn't always feel that on UFOF where like, I felt like, um, uh, 
UFOF just felt like, ah, oh, we got in the studio and we did the songs, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really funny you say that because UFOF is the one that has two re-recordings of things that got originally released on her last solo record, Abyss Kiss. Mm. From, from and Terminal Paradise are, were originally released as literally just solo guitar tracks um, mm-hmm. on her last solo record and the transformation of them into things on the album like is I don't know like for me it's kind to both of them in terms of them still being like excellent really emotive songs but also mm-hmm. like they lived in a very particular way as acoustic tracks and honestly I probably prefer the acoustic versions but mm. like this is this is exactly the thing you're describing that like the translation process is very specific and sometimes the thing that you want out of the band isn't the thing that they're like offering forwards to you with the stuff they're trying to do at any given moment mm. but like sometimes it really is like shark smile is like terrifying and has this like yeah. almost almost springsteeny i think that's a reasonable thing to say this sort of like yeah like railroad trained like nervous energy that drives it forwards in a like to a like terrible ending and then the song i was referring to that i think is for me one of the songs of the decade is not um which is what if we didn't start the fire was cryptic and mystical <laughs> um <laughs> and also like the best indie rock track you've ever fucking heard um well, um not i was trying to thank you for highlighting it because i was like literally trying to find like there i was like i know there's one song on two hands i really love is it the title track ah, i like that one but that's not it not is a song and we can definitely talk about this with um with uh the solo record like not is a song where you can sort of hear all the imperfections like you know sometimes someone plays just a smidge behind the beat or, like, someone comes up with, like, oh, what if I did something just a little differently this time? You can hear that happening in real time, and they let yeah. it happen, and, like, not feels like a really well-written song that then you're hearing performed live. And you're you're not hearing the sort of, like, studio-perfected version. Like, you're hearing, like, people working together to, like, make this thing. Yeah. And it's really good. And like I think that is like that was one of the defining features of of songs for me because like songs is an album where you can constantly hear like the ways that people's fingers will glide up and down a fretboard um and like make little weird zipping out zippy noises, you know? Like Yeah. It is um it is a, songs is an album about playing the songs as much as it is about like you know here are the songs i have written let me present them to you in like their most perfect form you know um so yeah not not is like not by big thief is like a really standout song like um and yeah like i i really like that that song a Mm -hmm. lot (laughs) yeah I, i know i keep putting off us talking about the record itself but the thing that like brings that to mind in terms of like they can do, have it both ways. Is the title, sorry, the, not title, the opening track of UFOF is Contact, mm-hmm. which is this like long drawn out, like almost shoegazy, like build up. Um, but again, very like beatified, very perfect, very like brilliant until it gets to the breakdown where you literally just hear Adrian screaming as the guitar riff like, like thunders into the track and like rips it apart and mm-hmm. turns it into something different. Um, and those are moments where like, 
I feel like UFOF, obviously it was a shinier, more like glossy, more like ethereal, like also thematically like obsessed with space and departure and like that all the like, the almost pro close to psychedelic, but not particularly. They're just the like more expansive, like sound world that that encourages. But there are also moments where they are they are still that band like thrashing it out together as a four piece, and it sounds incredible when they do. But yeah, let's talk about this album um, mm-hmm. because i i want to I want to hear what you think about it. Yeah, I think um, like I th- I just really liked it. I really liked. Um, I think the thing was on the second listen. Um, the the second listen was where I like the first time I heard the album I liked it the second time I heard the album was when it was like ah okay like I see sort of the shape of things I understand it and that was the second listen was when I started to hear like um you know there's all all, all sorts of stuff where like the recording goes on and just like two seconds too long and you can hear like adrian taking a breath as she like hits the stop button and you can hear like the song stop halfway through her taking a breath you know yeah um and they leave that in and they they leave in like you know fingers going up and down the fretboard and they leave in like um she'll start playing a song and she'll get like one bar and she's like oh no no no," and 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 do another run at it you know (laughs) yeah um that was hearing all that was when I was started to really like this album and started to really feel like, um, yeah, like hearing all that is when I started to really like this album and really start to feel like, um, it feels this is such a like, there have been so many cliches over the last year about like, oh, it's a record that really speaks to like being quarantined and like like every album <laughs> review for the last year has been like yeah. ah this person this you know this artist recorded it in their closet you know uh and, and it's supposed to reflect like the sort of like darkness of our souls as we uh are all quarantined and i think that's like a really horseshit cliche that is going around and bothers me in a lot mm-hmm. of ways yeah 100 percent but um and so i don't want to employ that here but it feels to me like a pandemic record because it it does feel like it feels to me in some ways like she wanted to make something and um like she didn't need it to be perfect she just wanted to be making music you know yeah i mean there was like line and note story about this which is that um during the the start of the pandemic, during lockdown, she left New York City and went to a cabin in, I think, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And just ended up, like, songwriting and then realized she loved the acoustics of it. So she dragged out uh, a producer friend and a tape machine and a bunch of microphones mm-hmm. and just tried to record the entire album in the cabin on the, like, front bench, on the front deck, like, um, in all the rooms, like, make use of it. So the only things that are on this record are her voice, her guitar playing, and a paintbrush, because a mm-hmm. bunch of the textures that she got, because none of this is... There's a little bit of overdubbing and a multiple track recording, but the majority of the textures I got from just, like, instead of played guitar, it's guitar brushed with a paintbrush. And that's mm-hmm. the, like, totality of sounds that you get on this album. Apart yeah. from the fact that you also get, like, the ambience of a random cabin in the middle of the woods somewhere in New England, and, like, occasional Yeah, like, sometimes ri- you just hear noises, animals yeah. on this record. 
You yeah, know? there's there's river noise, there's animal noise. Um, one of my favorite records in this vein that I, I've mentioned before, I think on the bonus pod that we did a little while ago, was Grouper's Ruins, which is exactly like that. Grouper Liz Harris uh, makes beautifully intimate, slow, careful music, which very frequently has like the sound of her environment, whether that is like the Atlantic Ocean or a, a air conditioner just sort of hovering in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it gives it this very weird combination of like very like definite spatialization. You know exactly where that was recorded and how, but mm-hmm. also like this weird unspatialization because you're so used to it being like presented to you in this like quite uniform, presentable way, and it isn't, and that like disorients you slightly. Um, I, I yeah, I sort of related to this record. I was thinking about this morning, like as a podcaster, mm. because like like I go work at coffee shop five days a week and then like i try to just fill the hours i'm not at a coffee shop with doing creative work you know um and for me that's podcasting and it almost has that feel and like i assume that adrian lanker is like successful enough that like music is her job but like (laughs) (laughs) i mean she did get to go out to not have to work to a cabin in the middle of the woods in new england and happens to decide to record an album rather than the other way around. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, but I did really relate to it on, like, ah, yes, I've got, you know, a couple hours today where I'm not doing anything else. How do I fill that with some creative work? And, like, yeah, the podcasts have sirens in them, and the podcast, like, has me getting sidetracked because I, you know, look at Twitter, and, like, you know, it's yeah. not about, like, it's podcasting is not about like making a perfect product every time it's about sort of like trying to be as consistent as you can be and trying to (laughs) like um you know like make something that people enjoy even if it's not perfect and like yeah i like felt that in this record or i connected to that in this record you know yeah um and i think that's something that like and like gets echoed out in the music itself because the overriding quality and what I think makes this album so special to me is it's like it's complexity and maziness. Like, yes. So d- d- there are so many different ways I could like talk through it, but like one of the ones which is the more, one of the more like technically like spectacular ones is the intro to two reverse. And if you mm-hmm. like, there's the paintbrush like percussion riff, and then a like a guitar uh, like a finger finger style played guitar hook on top of it. And if you just he- listen to the relationship between the first time the hook plays and the second time the hook plays in relation to the percussion line, they are different because it's like an irregularly spaced phrase. Mm. Um, this album is full of irregularities like that, timing irregularities, um, harmonic like harmonic things that like seem to go in one direction and go off in others. Mostly it's about like broke repetition and then breaking repetition or repetition in uneven and unpredictable ways. The, the opening to Two of Us is one that just consistently hypnotizes me because I like feel like I've got it latched on on the beat and then the beat is literally truncated in half and it shifts and then it shifts back to a pattern that it can play for the entirety of the track. Um, the chord sequences in a track like Forward, Back and Rebound Again, another track which has its intro, which is this like little snippet of other bit of recording or other bit of setting up the sound and before it gets going. But mm. then again, a looping pattern that does repeat, but repeats in like 10 or 11 bar phrases rather than right. anything more regular than that. 
um, re repeats in a way that like suggests this like unbalanced traveling dimensionality to it that like yeah um, well, like I was constantly amazing. struck yeah. I was constantly struck by the guitar playing on this record because sometimes it sounds like she's playing like <clears throat> sort of a like bass line with her thumb while she's finger picking the top line and sometimes it sounds like there's four guitars and like the ways in which those things like kind of aren't always clear like what she's doing i was just like holy shit you know yeah um, so like uh injadar is probably like it's the one that i'm trying to teach myself the most right now injadar mm. is clearly like um chord like just a, a chord pattern with the paintbrush like um strumming and then it is arpeggiated top line in threes against the bass line in twos um which gives you that like polyrhythm again these like unstable patterns of repetition Mm. Um, and again, that shifts with the harmonic sequence. And this is one of those where the songwriting itself is more predictable. Um, but like the, the, like the, 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 um, like the content of the, the songwriting, sorry, like the, the, the structure and the phrasing is more predictable, but the like technical performance is like super about this, like cyclicality and like weird patterns of repetition. Yeah. Um, I was, um, I was in the car this morning listening to this uh, track, and I remember trying to like, I could hear the 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 paintbrush rhythm, and I was like counting one, two, three, four, and then I would hear some other like phrase from a different thing, and I would be like, wait, was it? I would like throw myself off because like yeah, yeah, things would just clash in like ways where I wouldn't totally one hundred percent lose the rhythm, but I'd have to like one one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So this is this is kind of why I think I said this at the end of year wrap up episode for last year that this is just like quite comprehensively the best written album I've listened to all, all of twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. Just like quite clearly the songwriting is on a different level to most of what I'd otherwise be listening to. Yeah. Um, in terms of like the ability to, yeah, and it, it goes hand in hand with the lyricism. Then the bit, the ability to like use the tools at your disposal, and in this case, a very limited set to misdirect and control and manage and like flow into emotional spaces that are incredibly particular and incredibly like fragile um mm. and the, i feel like this is the emotional space that she's like invoking in the lyricism um this is an album to me that is like got all the hallmarks of even it's even slightly less concrete than the big thief stuff her solo albums are like full of like weird cosmic and natural and religious imagery and also, like, a really dense, naughty sexuality. Um, yeah. This is this is sort of the album... Another thing um, that has been... One of the more difficult parts of my relationship with Big Thief is I feel this sort of compulsion to, like, figure it out, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, like, I have to, like, understand what's going on lyrically. Um, and this is an album that I... I think sort of invites you to dip in and out a little bit. Um, in Injidar, like I come yeah. in and I hear everything eats and is eaten. And then I'll hear like the next couple lines of the next verse. And then I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll think about something else. Like I'll think about something that uh, everything eats and is eaten makes me think of. And I won't hear like a couple words and I'll come back, you know, like, uh -huh. yeah. um, I don't I'm, feel I'm, the I same sort of like, I, I have just want to, wanna... like, yeah, you go. I just want to, like, Injadar is one of my favorites specifically for this. And I just want to, like, 
the do, read some of the lyrics and see what people like get towards. So, fragilely, gradually, and surrounding the horse lights naked in the shed, evergreen anodyne decompounding, flies draw sugar from his head. His eyes are blueberries, video screens, Minneapolis schemes, and the dried flowers from books half read. The juice of dark cherries cover his chin, the do- dog walks in, and the crow lies in his jaw like lead. Everything eats and is eaten, time is fed. Uh, that's verse one in the chorus. Um, and like that to me is like this incredibly like dense evocation of like the metabolism of nature. Um, mm-hmm. Like the, again, I've been reading a lot of Marx as I have unwanted to do. Um, <laughs> and just like, it, it, this, uh, this is going completely off track, but it's the way I remembered having read it a couple of days ago. Um, the 18th Brumaire of Napoleon Bonaparte is about the French Revolution, the, the, the French Revolution's third coming or whatever it is. Um, where like the supposed beggar king um, manages to like convince the bourgeois current like uh, republican rulers to basically cut their own uh, ankles off, like destroy the potential for revolutionary politics in order to to like construct the the the, the return of the empire. And Marx is this intensive description of like, well, what is the peasantry? What is the the, the class of peasants who make up the like bulk of the French population doing in this period in time? And it turns out that his answer is not merely that, like, they are enthralled to these ideas of empire, not merely that they are, like, given patronage and, like, material interest in serving the return of empire, but that, like, the material forces are such that through his grand giveaway of land and the, like, f- new freeholding of the, of, the, um, of the republic, they destroy the soil. Um, the nature of the, the means of property, of uh, the changing means of property ownership means that um, the soil becomes barren and people start cannibalizing each other through capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, financial capital comes in and starts encouraging people to buy out, encu- like take on debt on speculative hope of the returning crop, the, on the speculative hope that they can buy up more land and become an industrialized capitalist farmer rather than a peasant. Um, and this is just like, he ties it to the, like, the materiality of the earth itself. And it's got like the, the idea of the metabolic rift in Marx is this like analytic that like ties together the ways in which like there is a metabolism to nature, but the capitalism has like actively disrupted it. And the, the like, transformational processes that would have been going on anyway are suddenly like reworked and timed to the like harvest clock, to the, um, to the, like the whims of money. And that, um, this is like a, a slightly more cosmic, like she's uh, she doesn't write about capitalism necessarily, but she yeah. does write about this sort of like cosmically warped version of nature that keeps on intruding and like but like eating itself, but in ways that ev- feel ever more horrific and ever more like disturbed or disgusting, mm-hmm. and that like that is the one direction it goes in for this first half of Injida, and that's this is like an intense image of like overflowing over ripening berries that are like rotting in the like in the in the harvest um like the the dog disrupting the natural cycle with the, the like limp crow hanging out out its mouth um and this like incessant urge for everything to keep consuming and eating itself in ever more disgusting ways mm-hmm. and then the next one is like clearly really about like sex <laughs> yeah so like the 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 hallmark for me and this is why i like double checked with you about adrian linker's pronouns like the thing yeah. that defines so much of her music to me is like not 
the capital Q queerness. It's not songs about, like, I am a woman who is in love with a woman, but it's more about, like, um, like, like, women shape-shifting into men, shape-shifting back into women, containing, like, people of different genders inside of them, and, like, not, like, people don't, I feel, people don't transition in Adrian Liker songs, like, people, like, exist in, like, states of, like, varied genders, like, yeah, coexisting, in, in, and... in transformation, in process. <laughs> Yes, yeah. and like and again, like I tie this immediately back to the forms of the songs themselves. They feel like songs in processes of internal transformation. Um, it reminds like, me a lot of the way we talked about um, Jenny Files' records. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like a real affinity. I I do want to like I not push back, but like to be clear, anything is a song where she literally like says to her ex lover, "I was scared." Indigo. Indigo is the name of an actual woman who was a person who like is real and also releases music and they are their best for each other's best friends and they were in a relationship and they are also two women no Um, no no. i don't mean like (laughs) when when i say like queerness capital q what i mean more was just like i feel like um some i don't want to just be like oh this is like like I, i i'm not talking about the way that like um like, Glass Beach sings about queerness in a way that is, like, immediately intelligible to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, like, Adrian Lenker's songs feel, like, sort of twisty and hard to unpack. You know, that's all I yeah. mean. Like, yeah, no, 100%. Like, she's also a person who sings constantly about, like, loving being a mother and wanting to be a mother and also, like, fuck me like a man or something like that. Yeah, know? exactly. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's a woman inside of me there's a woman inside of you too um <laughs> yeah like th- there are so many lines um, in big thief lyrics that are about this like weird indeterminacy and this weird push and pull um, yeah and like yeah yeah um i think part of the thing that was like a struggle with me um and and i, don't, I think this is just this is at least partially where i was at in my life in 2017 which is a very funny thing to think about right now um <laughs> like I wanted to understand those things, and, you know, now being a little bit older, I'm like, ah, yes, I don't understand. Good. You know? <laughs> yeah. I also wish to write songs about where people can't understand the queerness I'm trying to express, only that I am expressing queerness. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, I know what mango in your mouth, juice dripping, shoulder of your uh, shirt sleeve slipping, like, I know what that means, but I don't need to know all the details of, like, who the, like the genders of the people involved? No, know? 100%. <laughs> but again, like, I also just love how this is the one track where she lets herself be intensely, like, concrete and specific and also, like, really heartbreaking. Christmas Eve with your mother insists, I don't want to fight, but your mother insists. Oh, like, I, I, like, actually heard that line for the first time today and I, like, shouted in my car. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, um, I know that feeling. 100%. And, like, clearly an actual thing that happened to her or in the go, I'm not sure. Dog's white teeth slice right through my fist, drive mm. to the ER, and they put me on risk. Like. Uh. <laughs> um, I'm always thinking about that uh, Phoebe Bridgers song. Uh, the Phoebe Bridgers line from ICU where she's like, I hate your mom. I hate when she opens her mouth. Her mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think about that line every day. It's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing how much you could say when you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
That's hot singles. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I'm the one who read Dating Through Mare of the last week, so. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is like, when, when I layer all these things on top of each other, which is like, incredible for me like incredible songwriting and a kind of like slipperiness of meaning and a slipperiness of like person personhood and a slipperiness of um sound that go along with it um this is an album that's just like tumbling continually out of reach in this like really delicious way um yeah i I don't want to be like hyperbolic, but this is absolutely, it was one of my two favorite albums of last year and it's going to be one of my favorites that we've ever talked about because like, I don't know really what I could ask it to, to, to do different. I don't know what I could ask it to do more because it mm-hmm. like puts me immediately in such intense and like specifically evocative headspaces and mm-hmm. that like captures them beautifully in a way that like, hell, like this is the thing, like I almost would have said that about her previous album and then it gets to the, uh, track out your mind and I'm just like that's a bad song you wrote a <laughs> mid song you wrote a 4 out of 10 5 out of 10 song and you put it on an album with 9 other very good ones and I like the album less because it's there and so, the thing is with the songs it's just no there is no moment where I'm like this isn't in keeping with like another new multifaceted aspect of this like dense mm-hmm. complex knotty I keep coming back to the idea of knotty because it's like all these like weird intersection trajectories that never quite reach the like of this like perfect unity and never quite like tie back on themselves perfectly but like get somewhere else through a bunch of intersections and like change the direction yeah um i've been listening to a lot of the waxahachie record saint cloud Mm -hmm. lately yeah and it was making me think about like because the first time i listened to it i messaged you and i was like it's mid why are people giving this 10 out of 10s (laughs) I, i messaged you saying it's mid Um, and like, sometimes you don't know albums that are really going to hit you the first time you hear it. Um, and like, St. Cloud is like a record that I heard once and was like, ah, it's okay. And then I was like, you know, I had that song stuck in my head. Let me just go listen to that song again. And then like, I'll, I'll, I'll just keep the record playing. I'll listen to the song after that. Um, and it sort of like snuck into this, into my rotation to where now I've been listening to like St. Cloud every day for like a month or more you know and like i could sort of feel that happening in the last two or three days as we've gotten ready to record this podcast because i was like okay let me refresh myself with songs and then it would be like okay i feel ready to talk about it and i was like oh i just want to hear forwards back and rebound again let me just put that on and like i can i can already feel it sort of like starting to like sneak into my rotation um i'm glad about that (laughs) And like, yeah, like, and it's still, it's still an album that I think is kind of revealing itself to me. Cause like this morning I heard Zombie Girl and like, I know I'd heard Zombie Girl before I'd listened through the album a couple times, but like this time I was like, ah, let me like really tune in on Zombie Girl and like, you know, kind of unpack what's going on in this song. And like, you know, like, I like that. I like when an out, like, you know, the, the. Uh, you're listening to an album for the sixth time and you're like, you know, I had never listened to, th- I hadn't ever really paid attention to this one. Let me pay attention to this song and let me like sort of like, you know, um, yeah, I like when albums sort of like reveal themselves slowly to you. So. Yeah, I like, I feel like, again, I'm going to have this situation where like, unlike even with UFOF, which is an album I love immensely, 
the more I'd listen to it intensively, the more I realized there are aspects of it where I'm just vibing. It's not like mm-hmm. giving me a deep emotional connection. That's why I brought up a track like Cattails. Like it's of nice vibe. It's not something that I'm going to like go to to blow my mind over and over again. Um, there aren't really moments like that on this album. Like I feel like the pretty, like crystalline perfect moments, like Zombie Girl to some extent, are there as counterbalance and like sweetener and almost as like ironic image for some of the others mm-hmm. um and the tracks like well again anything almost falls into that as well um like intensely sincere almost heartbreaking and how like perfect they are and then like tracks like Injidar, falls back and rebound heavy focus with the like naughty dense songwriting that never quite like loops back on itself perfectly with the like mm-hmm. misdirections and like complexities of its stru- of it, like the harmonic structures yeah um this is an album that just feels like it's still always going to have content for me. Uh, content. It's still going to like <laughs> re- continue to reveal itself to me in ever more like strange and complex ways as I live with it. And yeah. again, like this is also a specific thing to like the moment in time. Like it is also to some degree a pandemic album because who right now, or at least as of six months ago, wasn't intensely interested in like this like deep reevaluation of your relationship and estrangement from nature and or bodies and or sexualities. Like, so that's sort of a thing that happens in a pandemic maybe mm. I, I'm talking for you dear listener I have no idea what you were up to six months ago but it's a better <laughs> chance than not that it was more like that then than it was a year before or maybe a year afterwards mm-hmm. so um, yeah um, an album that came at the right time to say the right things in the right way yeah um, but that I feel like I'm done with both these records you know yeah also, Big Thief are the best band of the second half of the 2010s, so... Uh, Where sure. can we, people Where? find you on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow! I thought that was going to be a very deliberate, ironic, leaving that to hang in the air. But no, you had to just, like, treat me like a fucking adult, like a fucking idiot. Um, that is a belief I am like 80% convinced of. Um, (laughs) uh, um, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, give me one second. I am tweeting, uh, and I I will be right back. That's all right. I'm leaving this in, by the way. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um... People can find me on Twitter at a terminal underscore coffee. You can find all the other podcasts that I do at exportodd.io. Um, you should listen to. Uh, I'm gonna plug Gotham. No, no, no. I'm gonna plug Ornate Stairwells. I'm gonna plug Ornate Stairwells because uh, that is a podcast I do about um, like movies and um, uh, I words. I do a podcast about movies with the person who will be guesting on the next episode of this podcast. So, <laughs> ooh, is that a yeah. that an announcement? Yes. <gasps> I, I mean, no, this is news to me as well. So, please. Oh, did you not know? No, you hadn't told I me. I thought I told you. Yeah, Neil's going to be all. on the next episode. Ah, oh, sick, wonderful. Yeah. Um. Sweet. Um, I have future guests that we've got lined up that I should talk to you about as well. So okay. we have plans sorted. <laughs> um, you can find me. Oh, we also need to do picks. So do you want to do yours and Nia's picks? Y- you do. You do um, your plugs. Um, plugs, and then we'll do picks. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at regression with three S's. Uh, 
Um, that links to all the other pods I do. Those have been on a slight break because work has become a fucking nightmare, but it should hopefully be back to normal-ish soon. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it for me for now. Um, so next time. So next um, time. So uh, let me pull this up here. Let me just make sure I get Nia's pick right. Uh, yeah. I've got options. So I was kind of waiting to see what you were going to bring. Said so the fact that I've got two things to bounce off is interesting. So. Um, okay. So. Um, Nia is bringing uh, the Nico Case album Fox Confessor Brings the Flood and I am bringing um, 17 by Seagull Screaming Kiss Her Kiss Her um, uh, yeah it is a that is Nico Case one of the greatest uh, like country singers ever um, doing uh-huh. one of the great greatest country albums ever and um, Seagull Screaming Kiss Her Kiss Her which is uh, uh, just a good fucking like Japanese punk record amazing wonderful so I've got options here um, my options are our first repeat artist um, big record that we just want to force ourselves to listen to because it's important but well there are other reasons other ways that people will obviously listen to this record or something may no, not marginally more confrontational but just like very very good that I want you to listen to uh, what of those sounds like an appealing I kind I um for the episode after Nia, I've got something already planned um that might fit better with our first repeat artist. It's not a repeat artist, but like certainly an artist we've talked about a lot in conversation before. So let's maybe do the confrontational one next time, cool. and then we can do the sort of like feel good one the time after that. Cool. In which case, I am picking Reflection by Lorraine James. Okay. Um, you can find that album. It is out now. It was out just a couple of weeks ago on Hyperdub. You can find it on Bandcamp. Um, very good album. So we will give that a listen for next time. Okay. Cool. Sweet. Um, you, thank you. Oh, go for I, it. I just realized uh, I said that backward. I'm bringing... Uh, Fox Confessor brings the flood and Nia is bringing yeah. 17. I had it backwards I, for some I, reason. I thought it was a bit. I thought it was like you were, there was some vibe going on where you were like telling each other what albums to pick. No, no, I, I just had it backwards. Fair, fair. Um, I, th- I thought there was like hidden meaning in the fact that quite clearly you were doing each other's pick of album. No. But no. Cool, done. <laughs> Just an or moron. It's fine. To, to be honest, to be honest, I think it's probably wiser for everyone to just assume whenever you and Nia do something weird, it's a bit rather than an accident. So <laughs> fair. <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. We'll see you next episode. Bye.